Well, my name is Dave Winger. I'm the associate pastor here at Hallmark, and this morning is going to be a little bit different uh, because August 20th, three men from our church went to California and embarked on an incredible adventure, a life-changing adventure. They started hiking the John Muir Trail, 244 miles, give or take, up and down, thousands of feet in varying elevations. Uh, they summited the highest point in the continental United States, Mount Whitney, as part of the trip, carrying on their backs everything they would need. They did it all in 17 days. That's just over 14 miles a day. No stopping, no breaks. That's quite a feat. And so they're back. They survived, as Carlos said. Yeah, praise God. I know many of you prayed for their survival. And uh, we want to hear from them. And so thank God that they're not only surviving, but they're uh, awake, they're with us, and they're of sound mind. And so they're going to answer some of our questions. And so I would like to invite our pastor, John Haley, Andrew Even, and Keith Matthews to the stage. Let's give them a hand. Hallmark's Mountain Men. Let's give it up for our mountain men this morning. Here you guys. Turn your mic on there. Here you go, Keith. Hallmark's Mountain Men, survivors. Well, I know many of you have a lot of questions. You've probably been peppering them with questions all morning. And I'm, I have some questions myself, so uh, I, get the, I get the mic. So I get to ask them my questions. Hopefully, uh, it'll uh, meet your curiosity as well. Uh, but, man, what an incredible trip. And I followed you guys on Facebook, and I saw your pictures. I feel like I hiked the John Muir myself, <laughs> except for the body aches and pains and uh, the incredible weight loss, uh, as you can see. But what, what I wanted to do is I wanted to start with Andrew here because I remember last year, March of 2018, we were in Cuba, the three of us with some other guys, on a missions trip, and we were sitting around the table having dinner in Cuba, of all places, and Andrew, got, Andrew, Andrew says, hey, guys, I have this idea. And he starts telling us about hiking the John Muir Trail to raise awareness for some projects that MANA is doing and maybe to raise some money. And so... Uh, Andrew, I wanted to start with you and ask you, why the John Muir Trail, why a hike, and where did you get this crazy idea uh, to do this incredible adventure? Well, it, uh, it was a crazy idea, and uh, these gentlemen here may yeah. still think it was a crazy idea that we took this on, but, you know, we firmly believe, uh, just myself personally at MANA, you know, to use whatever we are passionate about. Um, and if it can be used to give God glory and draw attention to the need of children all over the world, we'll go to any length uh, to do it. And so obviously the sense of adventure and accomplishing something appealed to us um, as men or adventure seekers. Um, but to just do it for ourselves would be a little bit um, maybe not quite as fulfilling as doing it for a greater cause, the kingdom of Christ um, and these needy kids. Did you, did you live in California for a while? Yeah, I grew up, many of you know, between uh, Southern California and uh, Santiago, Chile. So I grew up around mountains, huge mountains uh, everywhere I grew up. I know you grew up in Montana, so you know plenty about mountains. And so I've always had a passion for mountains and hiking um, and backpacking. I can't do a lot of other things, uh, but uh, I've done quite a bit of hiking and backpacking, and it's just something being in God's creation seeing what uh, he has created, enjoying that, and then enjoying it with friends, I thought this, there, there couldn't be anything better. Well, I failed to mention that Andrew is the vice president of MANA Worldwide, and so he sees what MANA does firsthand all the time and is a, is a huge part of that. 
Uh, Pastor John has been on many mana trips as, as well as me, and so we've seen that. And so I can see how Andrew could talk Pastor John into something this crazy. But Keith Matthews down here, he's been a part of Hallmark for about four years, he and his wife Leslie, and they faithfully serve in our student ministries department. Uh, but he, he kind of got pulled into this. And, and now he, he couldn't take off as, as many days, and so he, he committed to five days of the, of the adventure. Not that crazy. Not that crazy, right? <laughs> but the first five days included Mount Whitney, uh, 14,500 feet. So, Keith, could you tell us, you were there for five days, what, what was the adventure like? I mean, what were some of the highs and lows of your trip? Uh, one of the lows, actually the major low that I had was uh, we started camping Monday, and we camped out Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and we were going to do Mount Whitney on Thursday. Well, between those three nights, I got about eight hours of sleep. So my mind started playing tricks on me <laughs> on Wednesday night, and I actually slept about an hour Wednesday night. And uh, sitting there thinking the whole time, man, I'm a bad dad. <laughs> I'm not a good husband, and if I wanted out of this, it's two days to the closest road. So even though... I had trained all the, that time for uh, Mount Whitney. In my mind, I wasn't going to be able to do it. But um, it was funny. All the slow guys got up at 4 a.m. on Thursday to start the trip. And John's sitting there. And, uh, well, Andrew, were you, you started out at 4 or no? No, you're one of the faster guys. <laughs> but uh, I noticed that uh, Lonnie and John were there. And both of them were like, man, I couldn't sleep last night. I was stressing out. And so that, that kind of helped me feel better. And um, one of the highs was uh, actually doing Whitney. All the training that I did was focused just on that, uh, that day. And I know he said to me, man, I couldn't have done it without you. But the thing about uh, Pastor is he hurt his knee that day. And I'm like, man, I can't do this. Um, but if I quit, the guy with the get knee is going to, you know, beat me. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I pers persevered, and, and that, that picture right there, I'm very proud of that picture. So. That's awesome. That's great. And so, Pastor John, I, I know that we were part of watching you train, prepare for this incredible hike. You guys are all flatlanders, you know. Yeah. So the elevation was going to be a concern for you. But I know that you got the pack early. You filled it up with about the right amount of weight yep. so you could get used to that. And you trained all the time. You would walk to work and walk home from work. It's about seven miles each way. Uh, this guy was walking all the time. He was at the gym all the time, training all the time, getting ready, as Keith said, conditioning for the actual hike. But there's so much more that goes into an adventure like this. Uh, they had to think about how much food they needed, and the weight, you know, everything you take is just a burden, and so they wanted to keep that at the minimum. And so I know there was a lot of planning mentally, a lot of preparation physically. What was the most challenging part of the hike for you? Was it, was it the preparation? Was it the actual uh, hike itself? What, what stood out to you as the most challenging? You know, the, the preparation was, um, if you know me, I'm not really a detail person at all and uh but but for this hike i really kind of became that way i mean i'm weighing out every little uh how many calories per ounce and all these things trying to figure that out because uh obviously i didn't want to carry a heavy uh, heavy pack um and, and honestly all the walking i did here you know joe and i would get up to like 12 15 miles 
that we would walk, that we we hiked and hiked, and uh, I thought I was really prepared. But once we got to the mountain, uh, we weren't. Andrew was. Andrew hadn't. I don't like Andrew at all. Uh, you know, you have like a trail name. His trail name we gave him was Goat. Because he was just like, go up the mountain and like, what are you guys doing? We're waiting for you, you know. But uh, just, I was unprepared for like the, um, the terrain. There was a lot more uh, rocky, high, you know, climbing in and out of rocks. You know, it wasn't quite like the Trinity Trail when, when we got there, <laughs> surprisingly enough. Um, but I think, you know, obviously they kind of go hand in hand, the physical and the, and, and the mental part of it. Uh, I know when uh, Keith alluded to it that night, we were preparing to get up the next morning at, you know, 3 o'clock and, and start hiking at 4 to get Mount Whitney. Um, I didn't sleep at all either. And I, I got up in the you know, that morning, and we're circled up about four o'clock in the morning, and I said, guys, I wrestled with either God or Satan or both all night. You know, I don't know what's going on. I need some prayer, and every one of them said they had the same story, and, and so it was really neat to be able to just kind of gather up and pray and, and realize that, that because of, it wasn't just a hike. It, there was a cause behind it, that, you know, MANA is an organization that is going in and, and rescuing kids out of poverty, but not just to give them food, it's to give them the gospel so they can hear about Jesus. Well, when you, anytime you try to do something for God, big or small, Satan's going to fight it. And so we, we kind of recognized that morning that we were in a spiritual battle. And for us guys, just to gather up and pray. Um, and, and even at that moment, we still didn't know what was ahead of us. You know, we, we hiked like six miles to this, it says Whitney Portal, and like, oh, 1.9 miles, and you're at the top. This is nothing. Um, and, man, that was the hardest 1.9 miles of my life. Uh, but to, to do it with these guys and acknowledge that, that God was the one, wish, you know, getting me up the mountain somehow. Uh, humanly speaking, it was Keith, but, but spiritually speaking, God. So I, I just think that as much preparation as I did, Physically, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm mentally prepared for what, what we faced, but, but God, was, God was good. Well, you mentioned that Joy had trained with you, and I just want to, we applauded these hikers for surviving, but I think we also should mention their spouses, Angie Even, Joy Haley, and Leslie Matthews. They endured 17 days without these guys, so let's give them a round of applause. Yeah. Good job. And Joy was disappointed because she missed her long walks with you. Yeah, I know that's right. she. She's missing her training hikes. Uh, but uh, these guys didn't go on their own. They started out with 14, is that right? Yep. 14 pastors and fellow laymen that, that wanted to go on the adventure to help raise awareness of three particular projects with MANA Worldwide. And five of them intended on staying five days along with you, Keith. Uh, but six left early. And then one other had to, had to be yep. taken out as well. And I want you to understand... Uh, you know, I grew up in Montana, and I know that it's, it, you know, it's, you think you can just go hike up a mountain or whatever, but there's so much involved in that. You can't control the weather. You can't control the terrain. You can't control the wildlife. Their food was in a bear canister. I wonder why. Because there's bears out there, right? There's all kinds of challenges that you face, and, um, and there were some unexpected hiccups in the hike, I'm sure. There were some unexpected low points. 
And uh, I just wanted to thank you on their behalf for praying for them. How many yeah. of you prayed for them while they were on the hike, prayed for their safety, that God would uh, take care of them? And uh, I'm sure that that's the reason they're sitting here this morning. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, but what are some things that happened that caught your team off guard? I know the plan was to start August 20th, to hike straight through, to stay on a schedule. W was there a few things that uh, you encountered that were really challenging overall? Anybody? It's open here. Everybody looks at me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we were supposed to leave in a, an area called the uh, Corsage Pass. That was where I staged the uh, van for everybody to exit. And uh, Lonnie's wife, Heather, from uh, Granbury Baptist, uh, she blew out both her knees as, uh, was it, the day before Whitney. Mm -hmm. That's one of the other reasons why I was having a hard night. How are we going to get her out of here? Um, so we had to leave. Here were our options. You could go back two days to the, or where we started at. You could go over a, a couple of mountain passes, and I think it was about 30 miles, or you can go over uh, part of Mount Whitney again and uh, exit out that way. Well, it only hurt her going downhill. And going up Mount Whitney was 4,000 feet. She was fine, but coming down the other side, it was 6,500 foot drop and about seven miles so she was like three o'clock that afternoon i'm done so i had to actually uh, take turns with mike horn uh carrying her pack down the rest of the way so that was uh pretty, yeah my feet were pretty swollen that <laughs> night so yeah that was a challenge anybody else I would just say the the day after day uh, toll that it took physically and mentally. So, if you got in great shape as we thought we were, um, you know, any one of the day would be difficult. Um, and even though that we knew that these days would stack up on each other, it was just um, you know 17 days. It felt like you ran a marathon, slept on the ground, got up. You didn't have a team around you. Each person had to take care of their own food, their cooking, you know, what they slept in, and to run a marathon the next day. And after a few days of that, um, you know, in the beginning, you know, it's tough, but then you get into a rhythm, but then you think, when am I going to be able to get up one day and not have to run a marathon again? <laughs> so um, I think that was, that was one of the hardest parts. The, the Bible says, how beautiful are the feet of those <laughs> who carry the good news. <laughs> of the gospel. Would we want to see your feet right now? Or was that that's no, something we yeah, should pass on? I think somebody Instagrammed some speaking. blister pictures, and then I wish I could take that image back and not see that. But uh, what was the biggest? Did, were there any injuries while you guys were on the, on the trail? Any debilitating injuries besides blisters? No, the, I think the Lord really protected us. Like he said, I don't, I'm not sure. You guys kind of been following my journey. I've never had any kind of knee issues in about, you know, four or five weeks before we went, something went wrong with my right knee. I, th I think it's old age. Uh, but I, I got a cortisone shot and everything was great. But, but for whatever reason, when we were hiking uh, Whitney on day three, about two miles into it, we were going down into this, uh, you know, lake. And uh, all of a sudden, my left knee, my good knee, uh, it felt like somebody was just uh, shoving a knife into my knee every step, um, and and so I, luckily I, I had given my knee braces to Heather because she was struggling, uh, but we just happened to be hiking that day with with a guy named Nick. Uh, Nick is from England, 
and just kind of tag along with us. And he had this amazing God-provided knee brace. Um, and so about a day and a half, my knee was killing me, but then God took that away. Uh, but amazingly, you know, um, I, again, going back to the terrain, we didn't, I, I didn't, me personally, I didn't expect how uh, unstable, you know, pretty much every step could be. Um, and you're climbing, you know, a 13,000-foot pass. Um, and if you take one false step, you know, across this jagged rock, um, it's not a good, it wouldn't be a good outcome. Um, but, but God really just protected our group um, from falls and from injuries. And, um, and so, again, I, I, I know Dave already mentioned this, but I, I could really sense and feel uh, your prayers. And, uh, and so I said thank you for all of you who, you know, kept praying for us, and, and God really protected us from a lot of things that could have happened. Yeah, I think uh, during the time you were hiking the John Muir Trail, there were two people that passed away yep. on the trail, and so it's just the reality of the danger uh, that they faced, and then such an ambitious schedule, so many miles every single day, no breaks, uh, but you, you encountered quite a few people on the trail, didn't you? And you, you had an opportunity to share the purpose behind your hike and tell them about manna. Is there any encounters that you had that you'd like to share with us, people from around the world? Yeah, um, that's one of the things that we were really hoping for, and it was pr probably even better and more mm -hmm. opportunities than we even hoped for and had prayed for. People from all over the world, um, Pastor John mentioned uh, Nick, um, but uh, even before we even started the trail, at the trailhead camping, I mean, we met a couple of ladies there. Uh, we met an older gentleman. Um, and everybody was wondering because um, to be able to get into a lottery system to be able to uh, basically win one of these permits is very, very difficult. Uh, for one person, many times they have to have an extremely flexible schedule, roll over on the list about 40 times before they get one. So I say that to say that a group of our size, we had to hike extra miles to lead into the trail and that allowed our group our size to be able to get enough permits. Um, but we really stood out. I mean, we stood out because I think, you know, uh, we're a little crazy, a little off our rocker, and, you know, we're pretty sold out for Jesus and willing to talk to anybody about him and about why we were doing it. And so we were pretty kind of loud and fun-loving group, but that just um, allowed us to get into a lot of conversations. Mm -hmm. Of course, we were wearing, um, you know, some hats with our Feed the Need logo. Um, I carried pictures. Um, Pastor John had a huge sign um, on on, uh, on his pack, I think at some point we'll have a picture of that. And so that just allowed us to have an easy conversation. And um, when you are helping other people, when you get to talk about kids and feeding them, man, it's just such an easy way to start a conversation to get to um, you know, more of a spiritual and deeper conversation with people. And so um, everyone, it's kind of a community out there. You're all in the struggle together. You're encountering quite a few people, maybe people every 20 minutes, every 30 minutes, and everyone, um, you know, stops and yields to other people, says, hello, where are you from? And uh, there was countless opportunities to not just share about manna, but ourselves personally, our families, and uh, to share the gospel as well. That's great. Well, one of the things I've been curious about is we live in such a distracted culture with smartphones and what have you, and we're always engaged with something. You guys were away from it all, 17 days. And even though you were with the group, I know that you had some time by yourself hiking all the days. You get spaced out even in your tent at night. And I was praying that God would really speak to you about some things. 
um, and that you'd really encounter him in creation. Does anybody have anything you'd like to share? Maybe something that God, that God did while you were away? We talked about in Connect Groups, Elijah being away and in a cave, and God spoke to him in a still small voice. Did any of you hear from God in, in, a, in a way like that that was just so obvious? And would you like to share that with us? Um, I'll, I'll share. Um, ironically, one of the reasons I, I love backpacking, I've been on a bunch of backpacking trips. Ironically, the reason I loved backpacking is I like being by myself. <laughs> and I'm with 14 other guys. Um, but that, that helped me realize that had it not been for them, I wouldn't have even done the five days that I did. I would have turned right around. Uh, I mean, it was pretty brutal five days, but with, when you are with other guys that are doing it, you know, knowing that me backing out would cause maybe one of them to doubt what they're doing, and it, it kind of strengthens you. They're strength in numbers. Yeah. That is uh, what I took away from it. You know, I was, uh, I, I'm sure most people know, but I, I was sick most of the trip and not, not able to eat much, and so I, I was I guess it worked out well. I was usually, most of the hikers were going opposite direction we were going. Most people go southbound and we were going northbound, which is easier for us as a group to get permits. And so normally I was one of our last, uh, one of our last hikers. And so uh, by the time they got to me, they've, they've heard about manna and feed the need. And then when they get to me, I've got the sign, they're taking a picture of it. Um, but, you know, one thing that... Um, that I guess it really overwhelmed me about is just that no matter where you're at or what situation you're in, that God's presence is there with you. Um, and, you know, as you, as you climb the mountain, you know, you're, you're trying to get your breathing into a certain pattern, uh, trying to, you know, get your steps and just make it up the mountain, you know, another time. It's like Groundhog Day every day, you know. And, uh, and so for me... As, as at some point as exhausted as I was, I just, um, for multiple days on end when I would climb a mountain, my breathing pattern was to, to breathe, you know, three deep breaths in through my nose, and every time it, it would, the first one was Father, Son, Holy Spirit, swallow, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, you know, and, and you could really, I guess for me it was, I'm, I'm used to just being able to figure it out on my own, or, you know, the saying, fake it till you make it. Um, and at that point, it was me and God. And if God didn't get me up that mountain, it wasn't going to happen. Um, and, and so it just reminded me that in every situation that I'm in, God's right there with me. Um, and, and, and sometimes it's foolish to rely on your own strength. Just turn it over to God. And, and you know, that has application for every aspect of every day of my life. So... Yeah, I think uh, total dependence on God um, for every step um, and also realizing the scale of those mountains and maybe you've experienced this before, how small we yep. are um, and how big God is. And um, if God can give me the strength to do this, I can face anything. We sang this morning, the victory is his, all glory is his. Um, if I can do something like this, um, and if I can have all of the food that I need, um, specialized food, some of the food being dehydrated, and I can carry that on my back and I can get through this, 
there's kids with so much greater struggles mm-hmm. um, who are literally on the street, who are really in a life or death situation. I'm sort of inserted myself into a difficult sort of, am I gonna make it type situation. Um, but as mentally taxing and, and strong as you have to be to do that, that would be nothing in comparison to quote unquote real life. Um, not just three weeks, three months, three years, a lifetime of struggle, or a mom struggling for her kids. Um, our struggle really didn't compare, but it just gave me a little bit more of a glimpse of what it's like to live with that anxiety um, and knowing that that is nothing in comparison to what the people that we get to minister to um, and the fact that we just need to do more. And so that was motivation for me every step of the way. That's great, so we can't do, we can't do it alone. God is with us wherever we are, no matter how tough it gets. And God is so much bigger and powerful than any of the obstacles we face. That's great spiritual application mm. from this incredible adventure. Well, I wanted to wrap up our time with uh, Andrew sharing the motivation behind this incredible hike. Because, you know, Keith says, man, if it weren't for the other guys egging me on, I would have I been done. John mentioned if, if it wasn't for God helping me up that mountain, I would have quit. I think I saw throughout the journey, and especially through your journal updates, uh, another personal motivation that was behind the vision for this entire uh, adventure. And uh, I'll never forget watching the FaceTime video live from Mount Whitney and Andrew pulling out these pictures. And I asked him to bring them this morning because he, he took in his pack. Again, every ounce counts. And he packed um, some pictures that helped motivate him. Would you explain those pictures and then tell us uh, the why behind the what of this entire project and what manna does um, in Jesus' name around the world? Uh, Well, our mission is to rescue children from the grip of poverty. It's been stated before. And the way that we go about doing that is by pairing a verbal witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ with acts of compassion. So we work in some of the most impoverished communities all over the world, Um, 44 countries, over 200 projects now. And that's just meeting a basic physical need so that we can um, present Christ and can work in developing that individual and that family uh, to help them break the cycle of poverty. As you know, uh, uh, tackling poverty is a very complex situation. Um, And we're blessed to be able to meet some immediate needs like a roof over a child's head or a meal to eat, um, which leads to a relationship with that child and with a parent to be able to, um, as maybe a medium term goal, be able to see them come to Christ and begin to be discipled. And then our long-term goal is to see um, these kids find God's purpose for their life and to fulfill that in whatever God has for them. And those are the projects that we we took on. And so the cards that I have here, you can't see it, I just have it on a carabiner. I had these on my pack. They were motivation for me. They sparked questions from people. We were able to pull it off and really show them the why behind it because we could tell them with our words, but a lot of times it's easier to see. Um, And so we have three projects that uh, the funds have gone to. And let me first, uh, I'll tell you what they are just very briefly here, but say thank you. So many donations in the weeks um, leading up to the hike as we were training, as we were nervous, as we were wondering if we would be able to do this. Um, Your prayers, um, but just also seeing the the response financially um, from, from many of you. Uh, from our church, from churches all over the country, from businesses, from unexpected places, friends that we hadn't talked to in a long time, was just extra encouragement and motivation. Um, And so thank you, uh, Hallmark Baptist Church, for responding in the way that you always do. 
Um, and I, I want to let you know that I don't take that for granted. Um, we don't take that for granted. Um, but once again, Hallmark has stepped up to the plate. And the pictures that you saw there um, were motivation. Some of the kids from our children's home in uh, Guatemala City, um, we started that orphanage about five years ago. The vision started uh, before that. And uh, um, Bruce O'Neill, the founder of, of MANA and member here at Hallmark, every single person, I think, unless you're a visitor and it's your first time. Uh, maybe, and there's a good chance if you are a visitor for the first time, you met Bruce uh, today as well. Um, and just casting a great vision as we not only feed children and work with church plants, but just the over the overwhelming reality that there's over 400,000 children suffering from some form of abandonment in a country of 16 million in Guatemala, higher than any other uh, rate in Central America and one of the highest in the world. And so this has become a reality, but along with um, caring for children comes the responsibility uh, of not just graduating them and just so at a certain age say, all right, we've done our job and you know, you're on your own, but to transition them to life as we would with any of our own children, right? And for many of these kids, this is the last resort. This isn't the ideal situation already being in a long-term care, but this is the end of the road for most of these children, many of them rescued from the streets of Guatemala City themselves. And so with that original vision, knowing that we would need to create a transition opportunity and so God has allowed us the opportunity to purchase a piece of property in nearby Antigua, Guatemala. If you've been on one of our mana trips, you've seen how beautiful Antigua is. It's in a valley surrounded by three volcanoes and a larger piece of property where we're able to build smaller homes to place those um, students, junior high, high school, hopefully college age students um, with um, a husband and wife to see that marriage relationship really modeled um, in, a, in that environment. And so. Um, we are so excited um, to be able to kick off this, um, to continue this vision for our orphan care in Guatemala. But that comes with huge responsibilities, I mentioned, and then um, just the facility to care for them. And so um, I think you saw there some pictures of the property. Our kids are, are growing older in our children's home, and so we are desperately needing to get this kicked off. So we need finances, and this is what uh, this has gone to. We also need the human resource. Be praying for us that God would send the right people, the right house parents, the right administrative leadership, the right missionaries to work as a team uh, to develop that. And so um, that is a huge responsibility. The second is a very urgent need in Tijuana, Mexico. And I'm going to carry the pictures of these kids in Tijuana. Tijuana has always been a hard place. Um, always been a needy place. There's people from all over Mexico, from all over Central America, um, trying to either, not all trying to get to the United States, some of them, but also hearing that those border jobs pay more. What they don't realize many times is the cost of living is much higher as well. And so, you know, one problem snowballs to another. And in recent uh, times, there's been an influx. And so the humanitarian crisis in Tijuana has become even greater. And we work with some tremendous uh, church partners in, the, in this community. People ask me all the time, Andrew, what are you guys looking for? Are you looking for the need? Are you looking for funding? Are you looking for, um, you know, what it is, what is it and how you decide to address needs? Because there's needs everywhere. And those three things are certainly important. Without the funding, we can't do what we do. Um, and without uh, the need, is easy to see everywhere. But really the most important thing is finding good partners to work with on the church planning side and to really um, carry out the mission and program of MANA. And in Tijuana, we have a great partners. And no matter what end of the political spectrum you fall on, I, I share with people all the time, we can all agree 
that we need to help people in their own country who are struggling and introduce Jesus to them where they're at, at the point of their need. And so a brand new feeding center in a needy area like Tijuana, Mexico with our great partners there. And then um, last but not least is our weekend backpack program for kids right here in the United States. I'm excited about, Pastor John and I talked several times throughout the hike and even before the hike. Hallmark, we need to have a backpack program, a MANA power pack program here in our community that is um, with volunteers from Hallmark Baptist Church in one of the schools in our area. So many of you already mentor, uh, volunteer, read to kids. This would allow us to take a next step. Children who are on meal plans throughout the week, many times on weekends spend a lot of time by themselves at home or with little parental supervision. They're cooking meals for themselves or younger siblings or just need snacks to get through the weekend. So these are backpacks so that the food can be loaded throughout the week um, and then sent home with them on weekends to do that. And uh, I think Pastor John may talk a little bit more about that, but that's one of the things that's come out of this um, hike is excitement about doing that. So that is the why um, of, uh, of why we did this hike. And now gets the, now we start the fun part, right? Putting these funds into practice and seeing what God continues to do in the lives of these children. Because the, the story of Feed the Need, Manus Hike for Hunger is still being written. This is just the beginning. Um, and we're not quite actually at our financial goal of $100,000. We're about 20%, I, I think, short of that. And so just continuing to share the story, we're hoping to, to get over that threshold so that we can fund these three projects um, and sort of close the circle on the why behind Feed the Need. Yeah. That's the heart behind the hike. Yeah, let's give him a hand for that. Amen. Well, as... Uh, as Andrew mentioned, some of you have already donated, and we really appreciate that. Some of you are sporting your uh, Feed the Need gear this morning. We appreciate you uh, for giving and donating, but many of you maybe still have not given, and there's still opportunity to do that. You can go to manaworldwide.com, click on Feed the Need, and you can donate there in the name of any of these hikers or just in general to help them reach that $100,000 goal to fund these three projects. And so maybe God has impressed your heart uh, to give again. And uh, this is such a worthy cause. In Jesus' name, we're showing uh, people all over the world that Jesus loves them. He sees them. He knows their circumstance. He cares. And through manna and even through our giving, he can touch them for his glory. And so uh, just pray about it. See if God would have you step up and, and do that. Um, I think my life verse, hearing the, the challenge of the trail, is maybe Psalm 1-1. Blessed is the man who walks not. Amen. And I'm going to put a period right there. But uh, I enjoyed the journey through you guys, and we all lived vicariously through your pictures and your videos. And uh, we're so glad you're home, and I know your families are glad to have you back. So let's give them one more round of applause, and we'll turn it over to Pastor John. Pastor. Uh, I just wanted to kind of close out with one, one final story about our trip, and it actually was the very first uh, morning we woke up, uh, we, we, you know, we got uh, to where we were supposed to go, we camped out that first night at about uh, 10,000 feet elevation, and uh, we met this guy named Robert, and Robert, he's either the most interesting man in the world, or just a crazy guy. I'm, I'm not sure. He pretty much lived in the mountains since 1960s. 
uh, all, every summer, he would just go up in the mountain. He's told me story after story. He started, I, I think, speaking in Russian for a while. Uh, it was just an interesting mountain. Like if you, if you pictured a mountain man, like if you saw my face yesterday, that was Robert. Um, and so anybody meet someone before and you're like, I already know this guy's going to get on my nerves. Anybody know like that? I mean, it was just like, I, I don't know you. I don't want to talk to you. Um, and, I, and, and you could see him going from, at that time, there was 14 of us in our group. And he would just go from person to person and talk to them, you know. And, and, and I would avoid him most of the time. Um, but that first morning, I got up and, and uh, was, you know, cooking my oatmeal for the day. And Robert got up and just started talking to me. And I was so annoyed with him. And then all of a sudden it just hit me, if he's going to talk to me, I'm going I'm to direct this conversation. And so I began to ask him some questions about, do you ever go to church? You know, just kind of normal church questions. And, and uh, he kind of had a few answers and some very interesting stories. Again, I don't know if he's according to him, his grandma met the Pope, and I mean, all kinds of stuff. Um, and so she, she's in heaven, according to him. But I, I finally asked him, I said, you know, Robert, it doesn't really matter about church and all that stuff. Church, I mean, it's not that important. I said, but what do you know about Jesus? And uh, so he gave me a few answers or whatever, and I said, well, Robert, have, have you ever given your life to Jesus? Because that's the only thing that really matters. And his answer kind of still haunts me a little bit, but I, I think his answer is an answer that a lot of people give. And maybe even this morning, your answer may be similar to Robert. I said, have you ever given your life to Jesus, Robert? And he said, well, you know, honestly, I've never thought about it much. I don't give it much thought. And I told him, I said, well, Robert, one day you're, you're going to wish you had thought about this. Because one day you're going to stand before the Lord and, and the only thing that matters, it doesn't matter whether your grandma met the Pope or whether you went to church or didn't go to church. The only thing that really matters is has you given your life to Christ. And that's, you know, in John chapter 3, many people have heard John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But what's the context of that story was a pretty similar conversation that Jesus had with a religious guy, Nicodemus. And, and Nicodemus asked him, what, what must I do to get into heaven? And this is the conversation that Robert and I are having, you know, on this, uh, this first morning. And, and I'll be completely honest with you, if I'd have known what the next 17 days were going to take place, I, I would have never started that journey. But Nicodemus asked Jesus this question, what must I do to get into heaven? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Amen. And that's what I was telling Robert. It doesn't matter if you go to church. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter how good your grandma was. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you been born again? And, and when I think about that, that statement, you must be born again, and it leads me to understand through Scripture that there's a point in time that you make a decision to give your life to Christ. There was a point in time, August the 9th, 1973, at five-something in the morning, 
that I was born. God gave me life. And then there was a point in time, June the 6th, 1991, that I experienced what Jesus talked about to Nicodemus, that I was born again. I gave my life to Christ. And so I asked Robert, is there, is there a point in time that you've given your... That's the only thing that really matters. And the reason that, that manna does what they do, and, and I want to say on behalf of, of Bruce, and of course Keith is there, and Andrew, that... Uh, I, I'm thankful for all of you at Hallmark that have been a part of Hallmark, been a part of Manna since it began, you know, almost 18 years ago. Uh, but the reason Manna does what it does, the reason we went on this hike, the real why behind all of that is because people need to know that they must be born again in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. Amen. And sometimes the only way that you're going to get a voice is to give some food to meet a need. And, and so my question for you this morning is, is the same question that I asked Robert on day number one at our first campsite. Have you given your life to Jesus? That's the most important question you're ever going to answer. And if there's not a point in time that you can remember, that was my spiritual birth date. That was the moment you heard in the videos, I've decided to follow Jesus. You heard what Nathan asked all three of those guys, Christian and Caden and Jesus. Are you trusting Jesus for your eternal salvation? Yes. So my question for you this morning, have you done that? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? I want to ask you to close your eyes for a moment as the praise team gathers, and we're going to close out this morning with an opportunity to worship. But, but maybe this morning, uh, through the testimony of Robert, and sad to say this morning that Robert never really made a decision that morning. But I want to, I want to challenge you today, this morning, right now. If you're banking on getting to heaven because of your grandma or because you go to church or because you're a pretty good person that's not enough the, the question is a personal question for you right now this morning have you personally made a decision to follow Jesus Jesus said he's the way the truth and life no one comes to the father except through him and so this morning, can you honestly say, can, can you remember a time as Nicodemus asked Jesus, what must I do to enter heaven? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Is there a point in your life when you made that decision? You could point to that day, that moment. This is my spiritual birthday. And if not, my, my hope for you, my prayer right now, is that you would make that decision today. Robert walked away from camp and we started our hike and, and I don't, I don't, I'm sure I'll never see him again. But my prayer for you today is that you would make that decision. Would anyone, you know, be honest enough and bold enough this morning to say, John, 
I don't think there's been a time in my life when I really did just make that decision that I've decided to follow Jesus, that I, I was born again. I had a spiritual birth. If that's you this morning and, and our eyes are closed this morning, the lights are already dim. If you would admit that this morning and, and you'd like me to pray for you, would you just put your hand up for a moment? Just right now, just put your hand up. John, I'm not sure that I've ever given my life to Christ, that I have a spiritual birthday. Would, would you put your hand up right now? Just put it up for a moment. Just put it up. And if you'd put it up high, it's a little dark. It's hard for me to see right now, but just put your hand up. Anyone like that this morning? Just put it up. Thank you. Anyone else? Just, just put it up right now. And here's what I want you to do this morning. If that's you, I have great news for you. It's really simple. The Bible says, whoever calls on them, the Lord shall be saved. They can have a spiritual birth. And so right in this moment, I'm going to pray a simple prayer. It's, it's for me a model prayer for you. If you would like to place your faith in Jesus and have a spiritual birth, I'm going to challenge you as I pray that you would pray and confess and give your life to Jesus right now. God, I come to you today. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I need grace. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to give me new life that I can start a relationship with Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for a new life in Christ. I would ask as our eyes are closed, would anyone say this morning, you know, John, I, I prayed with you morning and I, I gave my life to Christ would you just raise your hand for a moment if you prayed that prayer with me this morning just put your hand up just put your hand up this morning anyone that would admit just can confess I, I prayed that prayer thank you Lord we come before you today and Lord we want to close this service out it's just an opportunity to worship you, to thank you for grace, to thank you for Jesus, to thank you for this organization, Manna, Lord, that, that feeds kids and gives the gospel all over the world. Lord, we, again, we are blessed to be a part of what you're doing in this church. Lord, I pray for anyone this morning that had made that decision. Give them the the ability to talk to someone about that today. And Lord, as we close out this service, we just want to worship. We want to praise. We want to thank you. We want to come, as the song says, to the altar to pour our hurts, our burdens at your feet. Knowing you're big enough, knowing you're capable, knowing you love us. Would you stand with me this morning as we just sing? And, you know, if you're new here this morning, we're just going to close with a, a song of worship. If you'd like to come and pray.
you're welcome to do that. There'll be some people down here standing, facing you. If you'd like us to pray with you, we'd be glad to do that. If you just want to come and talk to God on your own, we want to honor that as well. If you want to just stand and worship this morning, but let's sing and, and just praise.